Scotty Anthony here. Marika and I are feeling the effects of social distancing, social isolation, cancellations of clinic days, uh, you know, just the whole coronavirus thing. So we thought we'd get together, have a bit of a chat uh, with each other, find out what's going on in each other's lives, and just begin the discussion about how life as a physical therapist, as a fitness professional might be changing for us really soon and begin that discussion. Hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, let us know what you think about it, uh, if you're feeling the effects as well, and uh, any questions that you might have, because Marika and I will be doing fairly regular, uh, shorter podcasts during this, uh, during this time. Here we go. Enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. I'm Anthony Lowe, the Physio Detective. And I'm Marika Hart from Herosphere. Together we interview leading authorities, we answer questions and share our thoughts to provide the general public with the best quality information that we can find on all aspects of women's health. Please remember that the materials and the content on this podcast are intended as general information and they're for entertainment purposes only. They're not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Now sit back, grab your favourite beverage or do your thing and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. This is Marika Hart from Herosphere, and we're here on the Women's Health Podcast. Over in Sydney, we've got Anthony Lowe, the physio detective. G'day, Anthony. How are you? Well, thank you, Marika. Nice to have a chat with you. Yeah, look, I asked Anthony to have a bit of a yarn with me today because stuff's gone a bit crazy uh, lately for all of us around the, around the globe. And for me personally, I've really enjoyed listening to podcasts or um, I have admittedly probably been uh, watching too many news uh, news items and watching too many politicians, listening to too many politicians talk, which is necessary, but also a little uh, depressing, <laughs> shall we say, and frustrating at times. And I thought it would be really nice for us to have a little chat and um, hopefully the people listening uh, will just enjoy hearing our lovely voices. <laughs> well, maybe your lovely voice. Shall I shall I put on my radio voice? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely drop the octaves. <laughs> right. But tell me, Anthony, what's what's going on over Sydney? Oh, Sydney's um Sydney's kind of a funny place. It feels kind of complacent at the moment. Uh, just for reference, because I will get this up as soon as possible. It is Wednesday, the 18th of March um, mm. in the afternoon in Sydney. So, um, you know, Sydney feels kind of complacent. But when you look at the numbers, we're going to go, we, we are going exponential. Um, and it's tracking as per the predictions that I've seen. So, you know, in the next week or two, we'll be into the thousands. Um, and, you know, the lack of testing means we don't really know how accurate things are going. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on right now. So, you know, some people are being super prepper, um, you know, and just hoarding. I went to the supermarket today and it was nuts. Like, Oh, really? Oh, it was crazy. I've never seen supermarkets so busy. If you're going to enter the share market, Woolworths, Coles, you know, whatever the stocks are, they're all going down. They all the stock market went down today, um, after a bit of a rally yesterday. So, 
you know, it's it's a bit weird. I struggled. I, I think I found a couple of packets of noodles. Um, I I found not some, two yeah, two minute noodles. Oh, gross! <laughs> At this stage, like, what can you buy? What can you buy? Fresh, so, there's heaps of food. Fresh food. Sorry, there, there Thankfully, is. there's still lots of fresh food. There is, but like when I went the other night, there was hardly any fresh food. Like, really? Oh, it's weird out there, Marika. I don't know what's going on. So, um, certainly no toilet paper. I haven't seen any toilet paper for at least three weeks. Yeah. So there's a local supermarket that we have here, which um, lets you buy one roll of four, and it's about four bucks. Um, so we're at about a dollar a roll, I think. Uh, <laughs> so really, what you crazy. should have done is bought shares in Sorbent. Kimberly Clark, the paper about company. four weeks ah. ago. <laughs> yeah, one of my oh, dad's friends is at a high school. He works at a high school. I think he's a registrar. And someone broke into the supply cupboard and stole all of the toilet paper and all the tissues. And this is a high school with like two or three, two two thousand plus kids. That's ridiculous. Um, I know it's it's crazy. Well, I tell you what, I'm nervous about. About two weeks ago, so pretty much when I got back from overseas, I got on eBay and I ordered three of those, you know, the Malaysian style wash your bum sort of hoses that you can attach to your toilet. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, I think I do know those, yes. Right. And, and you know, people were just starting to hoard toilet paper then. And it still hasn't arrived. And I'm like, mm, it's due to arrive tomorrow. So hopefully it arrives. But um, Can you just go down to Bunnings and get like a hose and put an adapter on it? Or is that not quite going to cut it? Uh, so Bunnings does have it, but it costs about 100 bucks. I got three for 60 delivered to my home. So, Hi. yeah, I figured I didn't need it that desperately, and we don't. Um, but yeah, you know, <laughs> like a lot of my cousins, a lot of us in my generation grew up with parents. My parents, funnily, didn't do it. Grew up with uh, uncles and aunties that had a spare shower. You know, the downstairs shower was often not used, and it used to be full of toilet paper and tissues. And I'm talking about 30 years ago. It's just oh, a, wow. it's just an Asian thing to do, right? And um, I'll take your word for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you speak to. I, I haven't checked on um, on some of those Asian pages, but it's it's definitely an Asian thing to do. Holding toilet paper. Well, it's not okay. really. You just buy it when it's on special, right? Because it's a bargain, oh, okay. and toilet paper doesn't go off. So they haven't been hoarding it. They've just been saving money at the time. Um, okay, well that's that's sensible. My husband's a Yorkshireman, so anytime he can save a penny, he does. <laughs> um, unfortunately, he didn't buy truckloads of toilet paper, but he is the guy who you know he'll come home with three times as much stuff as what we need, and I'll be like, "Was it three for the price of two? Yeah, yeah." <laughs> What's wrong you know, with that? I, I do that I too. Him being frugal. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um. So yes, we, we we actually have uncles and aunties that have said, if you need anything, just let us know because they really do have a stockpile that's probably 30 years old. <laughs> and are you still working in clinic at the moment? Um, this week, I have seen a smattering 
of people, very, very few, um, you know, lots of cancellations or lots mm. of, can we put it off for a week or two? Um, and with the way that I work as well, you know, um, I, d I don't see people very regularly anyway. So it, it's kind of like pushing back. Um, so it's kind of quiet today. You know, I had a flat battery today, so it's been running around driving my wife to work and then driving my kids to school and appointments and picking up and boy, just because you, are, uh, you know, just because it just reminds me why I go to work because driving around after people, it just sucks. You can't get anything done. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I suppose you don't want the appreciation for all the people that stay at home and do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about Perth? What's Perth like? I reckon Perth is probably about seven to ten days behind you guys. It's really interesting chatting to physio friends in Sydney because uh, I feel like everything over there is sort of escalated, and here people are still pretty relaxed about most things. Um, but having said that, I, I feel like things have changed a lot in the last, even the last few days, we've kind of gone from, Hey, just make sure you wash your hands regularly, which, you know, as physios, we religious bloody hand washes anyway. I don't do. think I can wash it all. Um, but you know, a lot more with the hygiene of the clinic and wiping everything down and, you know, taking the, you know, the plinth covers, the fabric, taking them off the bed so that you can wipe down the vinyl more easily and putting covers, paper covers on things and everyone sanitizes their hands. So there's all the stuff kind of that has definitely come into play, but I, I don't know that, um, I don't know that we're going to be, you know, open for much more than a week or so. Um, I'm anticipating that we will shut down and, you know, telehealth is all set up and I've like you, Anthony got lots of online things to fall back on, which is, which is really fortunate. Um, Hang on a sec. My son is in the corner. You need to go away because I'm I'm videoing live. <laughs> I will talk to you a bit later. <laughs> um, so clearly, my children are home from school. They both they both were feeling a bit rough the last couple of days, um, just like a cold. Um, and my son has celiac disease, and he's had a sore tummy, which can happen if he gets you know cross contaminated or he has even dairy upsets him a bit. So. It was easy to keep them home. And um, I, you know what? I just don't know that I want to send them back to school. And it's not, it's not that I'm actually worried for them, you know, because we know that we're looking at the stats. It seems that children actually get out of this fine. But I feel like sending, I mean, my daughter's at a school with, you know, she has 330 kids just in her year. So it's probably close to 2,000 children at her high school. Wow. And she travels on the bus, you know, public transport. And the classes of, uh, it's a public school there. The classes are, I guess, 25 kids all in a small area. So the opportunities to practice social distancing are a joke really, because they're sitting next to each other at desks. And I figure if those of us who can keep our kids at home do, the class numbers will be so much smaller that those kids can spread out and you can actually do that. Keep children at one and a half meters apart when there's only, you know, eight kids in a classroom. Uh, and I think for me, it's, it's, it's about supporting all the health workers and the police and all the people who need to be working, who have got to keep mm. shit going. Basically, if I can keep my kids at home and mm. just take one more kid out of a classroom, I will do that. But I appreciate that I'm 
I'm very privileged and I'm in a position where I can actually do that. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people can't. And I think for them, you know, if we can all make a bit of a sacrifice, maybe some of these classes will be able to stay open for longer term and we won't have the childcare stresses. Well, we, um, we just got given advice that, um, you know, a lot of this stuff has to be in place for six months. Um, it's like, well, I can't keep my kids at home for six months. The reason mm -hmm. why is because my daughter's in the final year. You know, every week that she misses from school is is massively detrimental to her final marks. Um, you know. Well, they're putting everything, they're transitioning <clears throat> the stuff online. I mean, I think mm. it'll be very interesting to see what the school systems do over the next couple of weeks because a lot of the kids in, yeah, year 10, 11, 12, that's going to be really challenging and... Um, they're going to have to find different ways of assessing them and keeping them up to date. Yeah, super disruptive. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But in terms of um, in terms of physio, physical therapy, physio, it's going to be an interesting time. I was uh, I was saying to somebody, it's it's going to be really interesting to see just who really needs us, you know. Um, and I think. I think it's the opportune time. I think it's the best time to really make a change to the way that we practice out of pure necessity because, you know, why not? Why not give it a go right now? Um, and, and so, you know, Women's Health Podcast, we can talk about pelvic pain. We can talk about uh, stress urinary incontinence. We can talk about pelvic organ prolapse. I'm not saying that um, you know, you can do the very best job ever without doing an internal, but a lot of these things can be managed without hands-on. And obviously we both, we both appreciate the value of therapeutic touch. Um, mm -hmm. we're, we're not saying that that's not a good thing. We certainly aren't in the manual therapy sucks camp. Um, but we both, you know, we both work in a very active and empowering way where we try to help people, um, you know, do meaningful activity and get a handle on some of these symptoms. Uh, for example, you know, we've, I'm sure we've talked about it where pelvic organ prolapse, what if it's better managed like persistent pain as opposed to the structural issue of the lack of support? Um, you know, the symptoms, because we know the symptoms don't correlate with the grading, with the staging of pelvic organ prolapse. So, yeah, what do you think? I dropped that little well, grenade somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, look, it's interesting for me, Anthony, because, you know, I, I stepped away from clinic one-to-one -one work for a few years and just did exercise classes, uh, pre and post out of work for a few years. And then I rented a room in a gym for a period of time and I literally didn't have a plinth. And it was, so I had to get a little bit creative <laughs> and I actually thought that was a really, it was a really useful experience for me. And this is probably about six months or so where I couldn't, cause my fallback as a manual therapist would be, you know, if someone had back pain, uh, I would, you know, take them through, you know, movement testing, functional testing, get them on the plinth and start pressing on things, you know, um, that's what we were for, trained to do feeling for discomfort um, all that sort of stuff, which is what we traditionally do. Now, when you take that out of the equation, what are you left with? And the, I think we're left with a lot 
Um, and I did find that I was able to do that for that period of time. Now, I'm not saying I don't appreciate having a plinth now and being able to palpate and, and do that. But what happened, I think, having that period of time where I wasn't doing like clinical work and then when I came back to the clinic, I'm really fortunate in that most of the clients who come to see me have an expectation that I'm going to give them advice and exercise. They don't actually come into my door expecting a massage. And I, I can appreciate that for some therapists, if they're working in a very manual therapy focused clinic and they've had patients for a long time, it's going to be really hard to change the mindset of the patient too. So for me, you know, I get a lot of um, referrals from other physiotherapists who have already done all the internal work and um, done pelvic floor muscle training. And they send them to me and say, can you help this person get back to running? And that's great. Cause you know, we're in the gym <laughs> and so I, I have to say that it is definitely easier for me because the mindset of my, you know, probably 70% plus of my patients is I'm going to go see Marika and she's going to rehab me, not I'm going to go see Marika and she's going to massage me. Mm. So that is probably, you know, um, does make that job a bit easier because the expectations are different. Yeah. Maybe I that's mean, the same for you, Anthony. <clears throat> Sorry. That's probably the same for you as well. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I've been thinking about it. You know, I, I do get, I think I get two types of people. If I get somebody who comes in who has got long-standing pain, um, you know, they've had pain for six months, a year, two years, 10 years, whatever it is, it tends to go pretty much like what my consultations look like online. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll get somebody, okay, and then it goes spinal and peripheral, right? So somebody quads tear, calf tear, hammy tear, glute strain, shoulder strain, blah, 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 elbow, hand, wrist. Like I see all this stuff, right? Acute, make sure things aren't broken. Same sort of thing. Got to do the exercises, pitch it at the right level, give them the progression, give them things to scale back to or to progress with, depending on how they go over the next week or two before I see them again. Yeah, it's the hard ones are the ones that are spinal. Um, and I was just thinking just how old fashioned that thought is. And then I was thinking about why, why do I think that way? Um, you know, a, a, acute neck pain. I know, my patients know my, my, the people who come and see me know that they will probably be just fine in six weeks. Uh, they know that because we laugh about it. Um, I often will say, okay, if I had to tell you how long is this going to take, what do you think I'm going to say? They go, mm, four to six weeks. Right. So you know, <laughs> right? You know what I'm going to say. <clears throat> because that's what we have. We have in the literature that. But that there is something that is threatening in an existential way about spinal pain and neck pain and headaches that is different. Are you talking about to the patient or to the therapist? Uh, to the patient first. Um, mm -hmm. There is something different about it because I'll say to somebody, hey, when you had that knee problem, you didn't come and see me for two months and yet you've had this back pain for two days and you're coming to see me and the knee pain was actually worse. And they go, yeah, but like this feels dangerous. Mm. And it's, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and getting people to think about that is really, really interesting. And so 
you know, sometimes they're just looking for that short-term relief. And I'm good at giving short-term relief. They know it's short-term relief. You know, I'm not selling them something. I'm not putting them back into alignment. I'm not adjusting them. I'm not doing all these things. It's just relief. It's not even a window of opportunity anymore. I used to be that guy <laughs> of opening that window of opportunity. It's not even that get anymore. Get you moving. Get you moving with less pain. Yeah, it's it's literally, I'm just going to relieve the pain short term because as I've experienced pain, any relief is is gratefully received. Yeah, um, absolutely. And if they're willing to pay for that, if they, if they go in and ethically I've explained all that, I feel like we're okay with that. Um, and I give people the option. Um, but usually people say both. I want to know how to take care of it myself and I want you to give me some short-term relief. Um, and you know, there are some people I've done, I've done headaches for a long, long time now. And there are some people that just do a lot better with something every four to six weeks, just some gentle manual therapy. Let's talk about the last month. There's something about that that seems to keep headaches manageable. Um, and I've only got my, my own stuff to talk about. It, you know, confirmation bias means that I remember all the other therapists that say the same things. Um, <laughs> And they notice, they notice, you know, oh, I had to cancel last time and we rebooked and yeah, you know, waiting that extra two weeks has been horrible. And then it's like, do you think it's because you knew that you were going to see me and then you couldn't see me or is it or if actually... they're on a full week cycle, is it hormonal if they're a female? Right. Been tracking that and uh, <laughs> it, it sometimes it does seem linked. And they know that. And then there are other people that it's like, mm, no, six weeks is good. And mm. it doesn't seem to track. So, yeah. And look, I actually, to be honest, I don't have a problem with occasional maintenance. If right. someone was to come to me and I mean, I occasionally get this say, can you just get in there and loosen this up or, you know, give me a bit of a massage and, you know, I'm like, no problem. Yeah. It, it's, I think, you know, what you were saying before, Anthony, it's very much the, the sales talk around that, the language around that and mm. what, we, what we're promising that we're doing, which yeah. at the end of the day, we don't know what we're doing. We're doing something maybe to the neural system. We don't know. Um, but actually, if giving someone a massage or doing a mobilization every six weeks keeps them from taking, you know, opiates, I mean, let's face it, what's better? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's um, it's a it's a tough position. It's a tough position. Um, well, let, let, let's let's move on to women's health, yeah. you know, pelvic health things, because I think we probably have a lot, of, a lot of health and fitness professionals kind of thinking, well, how does that work in terms of in terms of telehealth? And I've already seen some people saying, well, like I work a lot with pelvic pain. How can I do that? Um, yeah. Without without my hands, um, which is which is quite interesting, I think, because especially for people with quite significant pelvic pain, often we don't even put our hands on them for, you know, it could be a few sessions before you could even go near the area. Uh, mm. And I, I sort of, I find that an interesting mindset because I think there's actually quite a lot that you can certainly investigate in terms of look at their, look at some of the outcome measures, look at some of the driving 
factors to their pain, look at the central nervous system, um, look at that person within the context of their life. You know, there's so much around pain that you can do without doing a vaginal examination in terms mm. of pelvic pain. Well, and reminding people about the interview we did with Carolyn Van Dyken, you know, mm. um, go have a listen to that one if you haven't had a listen to it. Um, I totally agree with you. Totally agree, you know, and, 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 and like I said, anyone who's had pain for quite some time, yeah, I, I, I try not to put my hands on because I want to put my hands on. I want people to know that inside it is so ingrained in me to put my hands on and to listen and to feel and to see through my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that it's fair to say that that's not valuable. It's valuable in lots of ways. I think the problem is that it's, it's possible to do an excellent job, just as good a job without doing that. Um, so I'm not discounting the value of touching people. I'm saying that it's my preference and I shouldn't, I shouldn't need to do that. You know, it's, it, it is interesting because mm-hmm. I see too many people with pelvic pain who have had 20 sessions of internal releases and it's like, wow, that's, that's a lot oh. of painful treatment, um, for no, not much benefit. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, it's, it's seeing people with pelvic organ prolapse and everything that they love doing has been taken away from them and, and for what? You know, people who've been told you'll never X again, you'll never run again, you'll never lift again, you'll never jump again, you'll never do this again. You know, you shouldn't consider doing that anymore because of all the impact. Um, and, And they're back to doing those things in a way that they feel in control with. And I, I would love this opportunity, um, for enforcing social social distancing to actually take the time to see if we can actually evolve and do better by touching less um it's it's certainly going to be interesting it's going to be challenging for a lot of us you know like without doing a ve and not being able to test pelvic floor strength and function and do a pop cue and um do all those measures that we sort of oh. rely on in terms of our clinical reasoning we are physios. We love to test and measure, right? <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. And that's and that's part of our that's part of our clinical reasoning process. So taking some of that away, I feel that we are what we're going to have to rely on a lot more is our ears, um, and very much l- be tapping into what our patients are saying, and spend a lot more time on the listening. Um, that's yeah. my my sense. And and you know what? I think that falls into the how to do it thing. I think we need to go even further back. And, and I know that you think this way. Um, it really comes down to what is our identity as, as physical therapists, as physiotherapists? What is our identity as fitness professionals? Because if we truly believe, like, let's just take physio because physios are the ones that really love getting hands on. Um, if we truly believe that we cannot do our job to the very best of our ability without touching people, 
well then anything less than touching becomes not good enough right we're, we're gonna feel like we're doing a subpar job i i know that i struggled a lot yeah i think that's true you know i i think i struggled a lot with the idea that i could sit and take a subjective for an hour and take money for that because that's my job and and i struggled for a long time with that because it felt like i wasn't doing my job properly and yet that is exactly what my job requires of me if yeah. somebody takes an hour to get their story out you know you give them time to say hey listen you know this is all good information i'm taking it all in just to make sure that you understand what your expectations are like you know and and people say no this is really good because nobody has listened to me for so long about this they always want to go in and tell me how they're going to solve the problem like just how valuable that subjective is uh, you know it can't be emphasized enough so and the um, reflective listening ah oh, the reflective listening have i <laughs> did i let me make sure that i heard you correctly marika um <laughs> I was, um, I don't know if I was telling you, Anthony, so I'll, I'll put this on a podcast. Um, I've been seeing a psychologist recently just about some anxiety and, you know, stuff, you know, what's been going on in my life in the last couple of years. Um, so I thought I'm actually going to go see a, see a psychologist because, you know, that's what I would recommend to my clients too. And it's, it's been such an interesting process to have, because I'm like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> I know what you're doing. But the questions that she would ask me. So she would just reflect things back to me when I would say something. And she would say, do you really believe that to be true based on your previous experience? And I'd be like, shit, you're right. Huh? Really interesting. And so even though all the things that we talked about were just, were so common sense, so commonsensical, um, mm. having someone to actually, you know, talk to about these experiences and have them reflected back to you. So hearing your words back to you mm. and then something sitting with and sitting with that is actually, it's, it's really powerful. Mm. Um, I found it a very powerful experience and it, but it just made me think, huh, this is what psychologists do all the time. And some of these skills are really useful in physiotherapy. Um, you know, just, you know, the, the things that we hear about pain, for example, you know, mm. um, I can't bend over because this will happen. Okay. Well, Tell me about, you know, the experiences that you've had that have shown you, shown you that that's actually the case, you know, like just reflecting some of those things back to our patients can be quite oh. powerful. Oh, or the other one that I picked up from somewhere, I don't know where I picked these things up from half the time. Um, describe to me what you imagine inside when you go to do this, you know, mm. and, and I've had, like, I had an artist, which is just incredible, right? I had an artist with bad back pain, systemic bad back pain, as in bad back pain. He described it as I have bad back pain, not that his back was bad. Um, and to hear him describe with words and he could draw it if he really wanted to. And I said, well, you know, it would be really interesting to see what you draw. Mm. Um, but just the words like crumbling and weak and jagged and just all these super strong words about what was yeah. going on on half of his spine only on one side yeah not the other side the other side he goes it's normal you know square rounded strong 
just on the other side, it was like this crumbling metropolis. And, and, you know, it's, it's just interesting that that was his perception of what was going on inside his back. And that was just, that was just one pain patient, you know, so many people with DR, um, talking about their tummy splitting open and, mm. and their guts falling out. out and it's like, oh, that's, that's, that's a terrible, that's terrible. Very visceral. Image. It is very visceral. I see what you did there. <laughs> Oh, you, Sorry, you stole you stole a dad license somewhere. <laughs> dad gag. <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, I think first of all we've got to deal with our identity. If you identify, like our degree, we got the same we got the same degree, which is a ma a master of manual therapy. Like literally, it's in our degree. Um, master, master of manual therapy. <laughs> and I have a mug and everything. <laughs> and the um you know if so if we identify as manual therapists anytime those ideas get challenged we feel personally attacked that's not a healthy place to be that's number one number two if we are going to evolve we need we need to number one believe that it's possible and then try to find out how to make that possible yeah and then number two, we need support. And, um, and so I know, I know you're fantastic online, Marika, uh, particularly oh, in the thanks, Girls Gone Strong group. Oh, yeah, so supportive and so wise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like an old owl. <laughs> well, not old, just an owl. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, we, we, can, we can do that we're happy for people to message us, you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to assume, but I've, I've yeah. heard you say before, like, just message us, let us know. We're here yeah. to support. Um, and the how, the how to help people with pelvic pain, the how to help people with pelvic organ prolapse, the how to help people with incontinence without touching them. Like, I think one of the very first things is to get people to touch their own perineum and, uh, like for instance just something super simple that i like to do with people in whatever position that they they're symptomatic in is to feel their perineum and get them to cough and feel if they if they feel pressure into their fingers into their hand mm -hmm. um and say okay this is what's happening now can you get it so that it doesn't do that now i don't know how they're doing it but i'm just interested in any sort of change to be honest um, and having people do that and then, okay, now when you do this exercise, what did you feel? And sometimes, particularly if they're, if they're breathing out, you know how people exhale with that, um, I call it like a martial like a arts noise. Kinda... Sorry? I said like a high pressure hose kind of. Yeah, like a tss, tss, tss. Like some people mm. like to do that as they're exhaling on exertion. And it's like, well, that's creating a lot of back pressure. I'm not sure if you realize that, but um, um, having people feel what happens when they do that, what happens if they just held their breath, what happens if they breathed out first, held their breath and then tried that um, and just feeling their own perineum and teaching people how to trust their own hands in their own feeling. That's one thing 
because you know I want people to get something from this conversation that's practical that they can do with people mm. um, just on, on this topic though Anthony I mm. think we could probably do another podcast and just talk okay. about yeah we could just maybe maybe start with prolapse and incontinence just as mm. one episode and just crack on with how perhaps we would look at that and I know you've got a lot of online uh, resources a lot of online um, face-to-face consults obviously you're not doing internal examinations so nope. people can see how how you kind of wiggle your way around that um <laughs> but the other thing i'll say because i think probably we'll, we probably won't try to keep this no. one particularly long um but for those who want to know a bit more about telehealth i know rob vining has got lots of great stuff and the uh i think it's there's a facebook group like telehealth pt providers or something like that and there's an allied health one which karen finnan does a lot of work in as well um, you know, there are people on the ground who have been doing like mm. solely telehealth for years. And I know mm. Rob has been doing it for like 15 years or something. So, right. and he put out a whole bunch of free resources. You know, he's literally just said my $99 program, shit, you guys all need this. Just have it for free. Wow. Like there's, there's so much stuff available to people if they want to, you know, set themselves up in terms of the infrastructure and all of that. So we'll make sure they're in there. the uh, show notes. We'll make sure they're in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'll be really good. And and obviously, you know, you, the problem I'm finding here in Australia is I'm seeing there's a lot of resources in, in the UK and the US. And I mm. feel like in Australia, there's not a lot of people who've been doing it um, consistently. So Karen's one person and she's got a program that, you know, she helps educate other physios about. Mm. And I know there's a couple of guys who do who do um, pre, pre and post prostatectomy work. Right. I think they're called prostate company or something uh, prostate physio something like that hmm. um and they've been doing online consults around australia for a bit but i don't actually see a lot of people in australia doing online stuff um hmm. and i think this is a growth area for us you know i had a patient who i saw for um, vaginismus recently and she lives in oh, the middle of absolute nowhere top <laughs> north west western australia like in an aboriginal community and um you know so she's someone that i'm gonna reach out to with uh, now that I've, cause I assessed her when she's in Perth, um, mm. but we will, we will do telehealth cause she said, Oh, there's, there's no one within like a six, eight hour drive of me. Um, and it's I think very that's very remote of, up there. <laughs> yeah. And, and we, in girls gone strong, we hear that all the time, Anthony though, people oh, yeah. who we say, you know, you should go and see a public health physio. And they said, yeah, that'd be nice. But there's no one. Yeah. Three hours, within, four hours, you know, like yeah. crazy yeah. stuff. So this is so this I don't think is necessary uh, not necessarily a flash in the pan situation anyway. So I don't think physios should just think, well, I'm not going to bother because this is only going to be for a month. I think it's not that hard to get set up. No. Um, fitness professionals too, just get on there and start doing exercise classes. Yeah. Start teaching. Just get used to being in front of a camera and talking. Yeah. Um, you and I seem to be quite happy talking shit a lot. <laughs> we do a lot of that. <laughs> We also talk oh. about, um, you know, bowel stuff if we really need to, but yes, just talking shit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he goes the dead card. <laughs> oh dear. That's all. all right. So should we leave it for today? And then, um, maybe that's come a back great idea. Um, Let's and look, feedback from the game, from the game. yeah, look, um, I think, uh, we could probably do some, some, some more regular shorter podcasts, uh, doing some Q and a just while people, uh, in a lower working uh, environment mm. at the moment, like let's just take that time to uh, we because we, we talked about it before the show. Uh, we would love to hear from you all 
and uh, hear any of your questions so that we can just have a discussion. Um, and one of the ideas that we floated was that maybe we just publicize when we're going to do one of these things and, and let you guys mm. jump on and, and ask live um, and let you be a part of the podcast. And and because uh, that'll be fun, too. Right. Um, yeah. So we're, 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 we're all for anything that's fun right now. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so and we, uh, we really want to support people in the community like both of us um i feel yeah I, I think it's quite easy to get caught up in everything that's going on and feel quite alone or um anxious or yeah just a bit flat and i think you know maybe if we're all a bit isolated feeling a bit isolated having a bit of connection through this podcast might be a nice thing um and i'm definitely going to reach out to a couple of people and i know you have anthony as well see if we can get a few more guests on the show in the next few weeks yeah i think they're all probably stuck yeah i think that's fantastic um we'll we'll draw all that up and get these podcasts going for you all excellent awesome. uh, well, let's say goodbye for now awesome so thanks very much please leave your comments please share the podcast and you know if you do want to connect please feel free to do so and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this episode. Be sure to hit like if you enjoyed the episode and leave any comments or questions below. We'd really like to hear from you. If you haven't already hit subscribe, please do so now so that you can be kept notified when we release our next episode. Otherwise, thank you for listening and we look forward to having you back with us for another episode of the Women's Health Podcast.